Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. How great thou art. Let's pray, shall we? Yes, Lord God, as we consider your creation, the beauty of your creation, the intricacies of your creation, we can't help but declare how great you are, Lord God. And as we've sung, Lord, even in these words, as we consider the cross and your death on the cross and your resurrection and the salvation that it brings to us, the life that it brings to us, we can't help but declare together how great you are. How great is the Lord. How great is the Lord. Lord, when we cast our minds forward and we look forward to that great day when you will come again and we will see you face to face, we will be with you. We will see you in all your glory. We can't help but declare together how great you are. How great is the name of the Lord. How great is the name of Jesus. All glory and honour and wisdom and power are yours now and forevermore. We proclaim your name the name of Jesus in this place this morning. In whose wonderful name we pray, the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you. Please be seated. Thanks to our team this morning. Good morning. Welcome to you all. Did you say good morning? Did I say good morning? Good morning. Yeah, I thought I did, yeah. And uh, welcome to those of you joining us online. Great to have you here with us as well, virtually. Great to be together in person, though. And uh, our current series is called In the Name. And uh, this morning, we turn our attention to the power that is found in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to be talking about power this morning. And uh, as we begin, let me share with you some wisdom from uh, one of the great philosophers of history who said, with great power comes great responsibility. Do you know who said that? Thanks, John. Yes, it was (laughs) Spider-Man. Well, it turns out a number of other people have said similar things before Spider-Man said those words. Uh, However, none of them could spin a web any time or capture thieves just like flies. So uh, Spider-Man is still one of the standouts in the world of philosophy. But you know, uh, Jesus said something similar, without referring specifically to power. Uh, He said this, he said, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, underlined there, bold, much, much more will be asked. It's another way of saying, with great power, comes great responsibility. If you were given much power, then you have an accompanying responsibility to use that power wisely and to use it well. Well, you might recall that after Jesus was resurrected, there was a period of 40 days when he met with various people prior to his ascension into heaven. And during that time, he said this to them. He said, you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit 
comes on you and you will be my witnesses. So I think we can agree this morning that receiving the Holy Spirit and receiving the power of the Holy Spirit fits that category of much. Much. We've received the power of the Holy Spirit, those of us who believe, we've come to Jesus, and therefore we have received much, and therefore much is expected of us with great power comes great responsibility. Well, the spirit of Peter Christophides is here this morning. We used to, um, some of you remember, we used to have a pastor here named Pete who loved to specialise uh, in using preaching props. And uh, we love Pete, so I've got something for you this morning. Thanks, Gary. Just um, step number one. My demonstration this morning. Thank you. So this is my uh, 20 metre extension cord from uh, my shed at home. So let's say that this cord represents a human being. Perhaps this represents you and your life. Uh, and let me ask you, kind of rhetorically, but you can call something out if you like, is there power in this cord? Well, it's an interesting question. You might say no, but you might also argue that in and of itself, it has a certain amount of power even now, a certain amount. So even now, I mean, I can, I can use this, so I'm not going to demonstrate this, but I could use this to, uh, to tie someone up, for example. Uh, that's power, or I could use it to, uh, to strangle someone or to beat them over the head. I mean, all unnecessarily violent applications, aren't they? I'm not sure why I've settled on those ones. But we all know that the cord is not actually designed for any of those purposes. But if I plug it in, just watch out there, incoming. So just, just plug it in for now, Gary, don't turn it on yet. Stay there, though. <laughs> if I ask Gary to flick the switch on the count of three, one, two, three, Oh, it's a fancy extension cord. <laughs> now we might say that the cord has received power. Just as you have received power when you've received the Holy Spirit. Now it's latent power at the moment. It's not being used for anything, however. If I plug something into it, <laughs> this is exciting, isn't it? On first appearances, not a lot has changed. But when I plug something into this power, there's something new that happens as a result of plugging in. 
Andrew, how you going there, mate? <laughs> See, now, as a preacher, I have a power, <laughs> Xavier, that I didn't have before. Say <laughs> that. How's that going for those of you who've got asthma? See, that's what the cord has been created for. Not to beat someone up or tie them up or strangle them, but it's been created to be a conduit for power. And I want to suggest this morning that this is what you have been created for, to be a, a conduit for the power that you've received, that it not just be sitting in your life latent, but that you become a conduit for the power and the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the healing and the mercy of God that those things might flow through you just as the power is flowing through that cord and enabling something. So it is with the power of God. It's there to enable something, enable something to flow through you. So it's one thing to receive power, to receive the Holy Spirit, like plugging in the cord and flicking on the switch, but it's another thing to tap into the potential of that power. And what I want to say to you this morning, one thing, if you remember nothing else, remember this. The name of Jesus yeah. is the means by which you tap into that potential. The name of Jesus is the means by which you plug into that power and thereby using the name of Jesus, a power is released and enabled. All right, our reading this morning is from Acts chapter 19, and I'm going to read 11 to 20. It's a story about the power of the name of Jesus. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to those who were ill, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. There's a power, Paul has discovered, there's a power that actually just flows through him, even through handkerchiefs. And aprons. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed, and they would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this, and one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? It's a bit of a rude shock for them. And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all, overpowered them. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. And when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. And many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. A drachma was about a day's wages back in those times. That's a lot of money, right? In this way, 
The word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. It spread and it grew in power. So for this story, it's particularly important that we view it through the lens of a truly biblical worldview of spiritual realities. If we don't view it through that lens, then the story will either be considered to be a sort of a fictional fairy tale type story, or it'll be misunderstood in other ways. So let me just describe for you, as we begin, three common worldviews that you'll frequently come across. And uh, I would think there'd be people in this room that would hold uh, any one of these three views, actually, or variations of them. And so the first of those, number one, is the secular scientific view, which, by the way, um, is the view that our kids will be taught in public schools as, as fact. And those who hold this view, um, in general, I'm sort of generalising these views, there's variations of them all, of course, but generally those who hold this view would say that everything can be explained by science. Or if not yet, then it will be able to be explained eventually. So there's no such thing as miracles. There are just facts. And there are unexplained things. Uh, there, are, there are uncertainties in the natural order of things that our science has not yet fully understood. But we'll get there, actually, over time. There's no God of creation. Uh, you know, the kids won't learn, in our, mainly in our secular schools, that there's a God who created all things. They won't learn that. There's science. There's just scientific process that began with an explosion of something. You know, back at the beginning of things, there was an explosion. And, uh, and all that we now see is a result of that somehow. Which, by the way, takes great faith to believe. It, it really does take great faith to believe that. Just not faith in God, but great faith all the same. So David Attenborough, you see up there, um, many of you, like me, have uh, actually very much enjoyed the documentaries that he produces, wonderful things. Um, he's probably one of the more prominent proponents of this view. It's always staggered me, though, that um, he has, you know, he's so amazed. He's so amazed by the wonders of nature, and yet he doesn't acknowledge a creator. Uh, you might share that view this morning. Some of you here, if you hold that view this morning, uh, then I'm just really glad you're here. I respect your view, certainly. Uh, just a warning that for you, my message this morning will seem uh, even more nonsensical than usual uh, because I hold a different view. I hold a biblical worldview, which we'll come to in just a moment. But the second of those worldviews I want to just unpack quickly is the dualistic worldview. And uh, there are lots of different examples of dualism. Uh, here is one. So this view would say that in this world there exists good and evil and uh, it would also suggest that there's more to the world than science can explain. And so there are spiritual powers. There are spiritual powers of good and evil and often they are seen as equal but opposite forces. And so there's a constant battle going on between good and evil and so um, in the case of Star Wars, which is a, is a proponent of this dualistic worldview, you have the evil dark side with Darth Vader and uh, his, all of his stormtroopers, you know, bam, 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 bam. Okay, yeah, we're, we're <laughs> 
And then you have the Jedis, of course. Those of you who follow Star Wars, they're the good guys who, uh, who use the Force, you know? Oh. No, I don't have a Force. I don't believe in that view. For those who hold this view, it's kind of touch and go as to which side will prevail, even at uh, a personal level within yourself. And so that old picture of an angel on one shoulder uh, urging you to do good and a devil on the other shoulder, you know, trying to uh, lure you into temptation. But actually, in the dualistic view, those are kind of equal but opposite forces that are vying for your life, actually. And so, well, which one will win? That's, that's the kind of the dualism, the dualistic point of view. Number three is the biblical worldview, which I hold. I don't know many others here hold that view. This is the view that God is the almighty creator of all things, and he is eternally good by nature. This is the God that we worship. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent, which is simply fancy ways of saying he is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is all-present. He is everywhere at all times. Uh, as we sing sometimes, you have no rival, God. You have no equal. There is nothing and no one that compares to our God. And uh, this view also holds that there is an unseen dimension of angelic beings and demonic powers including Satan himself, who is the father of lies and also described in the scriptures as the accuser, the evil one. All of those powers, those angelic powers and those demonic powers are well and truly under and lower than and created by, ultimately, the one who is the great creator and has created all things. There's no dualism. There's the creator of all things and then there are the created things. And in stark contrast to the dualistic worldview, the Bible, the biblical worldview holds that all authority, all power, all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth has been given to Jesus. All authority has been given to Jesus, who has disarmed the powers of darkness and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Colossians 2.15. So this is my worldview, and, uh, and so what that means is that I view the world through the lens of those truths that I hold dear. And this we understand, this is the worldview of the believers in the first century, and uh, it's helpful for us to orientate ourselves with those views as we look at this account in Acts 19. And um, this morning I want to do something that we don't often do, and that is focus in a little on the powers of darkness in order to understand, better understand reality and to understand what actually is the power that we have in the name of Jesus. And my disclaimer before I delve into this a little bit is that, you know, Graham often says that dealing with the demonic is a bit like uh, cleaning out your septic tank or your sewer. Uh, in other words, it's something that has to be done from time to time. But if you just love it, then uh, there's something weird going on, right? 
If you end up with some sort of fascination, fascination with the demonic, then um, according to what Graham says, and I agree with him, it's a bit like thinking, oh, oh yes, the sewer, ooh. Yeah, I'd love to climb down there and uh, clean that out. Fantastic. It's, uh, you should have some alarm bells going on. Three points I want to make about understanding the powers of darkness. And the first of these is that the powers of darkness are real and present. Now, uh, if I were to make that statement in the first century in the town of Ephesus in particular, then uh, the general response would have been, yes, of course. Of course they are real and present. Absolutely. And from the Gospels, we know that there were Jews in Israel, from this uh, passage as well, there were Jews in Israel uh, at that time who were casting out demons. Uh, this was just a part of everyday life. And so the presence of the demonic realm was a, a recognised, acknowledged reality which at times needed to be dealt with. And so people would call upon magicians and sorcerers who used magic formulas and incantations to deal with those demonic powers, those powers of darkness, generally not very, very effectively uh, because, number one, they didn't really know what they were doing. And number two, they, they didn't have the power. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't have the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they were sort of the blind leading the blind. So Ephesus at that time had a reputation, we know too, as a, a centre for the learning and practice of magical arts, a lot of occultic practices. Um, so it shouldn't surprise us that being, that being Ephesus, that when Paul writes to the Ephesians, he makes a point of stressing the importance of putting on the whole armour of God. This is the way that he finishes his letter to the Ephesian church. Put on the whole armour of God. Pray, pray at all times, for goodness sake, pray. Put on the armour. Put on the armour daily. And so the believers there in Ephesus knew that their battle is not against flesh and blood. We're not just fighting people here. Our battle is not just against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil. They knew it. They were aware of it. That these powers of darkness are real and present. You might be sitting here thinking, oh yeah, but that was 2,000 years ago, well, you know, when people were uneducated and uh, ignorant, didn't understand the things of science. Uh, you know, we're not in the dark ages anymore. Well, uh, look at this. If we go to the next uh, slide here. This is happening right now, this weekend. Today and over the last couple of days, we've had the Perth Psychic Awareness Magical Fair over in Cannington. $5 entry, and then you wander around the stalls and let me tell you what's on offer from the website. Aura photos, chakra reports, not sure what they are, I think it's some Hindu thing. Astrology, numerology, clairvoyance, mediums, channeling, healing, tarot cards, the list goes on. It's a septic cauldron of demonic activity. That's what it is. 
And so the idea is, uh, I understand, again, from the website, you wander around and you decide as you walk around which psychic you feel connected to, and then you pay $65. You've paid your $5 entry fee. You pay $65 for a personal sitting with the, the psychic that you feel that spiritual connection to. And then you can go and do it again and pay another $65 to have another reading. I'm not advertising the event, by the way. <laughs> Although it did occur to me that perhaps we should set up a stall there, actually, and offer the name of Jesus. I suggest perhaps it wouldn't be good for business. Cannington, right now, you can go today. No, I'm not suggesting you do. <laughs> But let me be clear, and this comes from, you understand, my biblical worldview. You may have a different worldview. From my biblical worldview, I would say, this is not just a bit of harmless fun. And neither is it make-believe nonsense. Today in 2022, in Cannington in particular over this weekend, the powers of darkness are very real and very present. Number two, very importantly, the powers of darkness are dangerous to those who are ignorant. And the sons of Sceva found this out the hard way. They thought they'd just stumbled upon another magical incantation that they could line up along all those other things, like at the psychic fair in Cannington. Let's try this one in the name of Jesus. And it was then they discovered they were messing with powers that they didn't understand. See, the powers of darkness know all about Jesus. You bet they do. It tells us so in James 2. James 2.19 says, You believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that. Yes. And... They shudder. Oh, yes. They shudder. But as believers, we need to understand the power of the name of Jesus, and we need to understand the powers of darkness and the way they operate. You know, 2 Corinthians 2, Paul talks about the importance of forgiveness, and here he says, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. We are not unaware of his schemes. We are not ignorant. I'd say to you this morning, let's not be ignorant. Don't be ignorant about these things. If you hold unforgiveness in your heart, they discovered very quickly in the early church, you hold unforgiveness in your heart towards anyone, you give the powers of darkness a foothold in your life to get about and mess around and do other things. Uh, 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, Satan prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm. Be alert. Understand the way things are in the realities of the spirit. The hungry, roaring lion, I'd suggest for Peter, is an in 
intentionally frightening image, actually. So don't be ignorant. And be aware that the powers of darkness are intent on attacking your marriage, your family. They love domestic violence. They love any kind of outburst of uncontrolled anger. They thrive in that environment. The powers of darkness, they love it. And they'll go their hardest to cause you to fear, to be distracted, to be discouraged, to be disheartened in your faith. Their goal is to make you want to give up, to stop meeting with other believers. Oh, and I just love the online thing. I I could come to church, I could have fellowship with other believers, but I just want to sit in my pyjamas at home. Some of you need to be at home for other reasons, or in hospital, or wherever you are. Some of you need to be here in fellowship with other believers. The powers of darkness want you to stay away and be satisfied with something less than God has for you. The powers of darkness will use health issues to tie you up in knots of anxiety. They'll use addictive patterns in your life to lure you into sin and self-destructive behaviours, gambling and pornography and alcohol. They thrive in an environment of wealth and indulgence. And they'll whisper in your ear, what do you need God for when you've got all of this stuff? Just enjoy your life. Eat, drink, and be merry. What do you need God for? Don't be ignorant. Be alert. And be of sound mind. And number three, the powers of darkness are defeated by the name of Jesus. And you notice in the story, you know, there was a misuse and a misunderstanding of the power of the name of Jesus, and the result was that people got hurt. People that didn't know what they were doing, they got hurt. But the outcome was that the people were all seized with fear. All the people who witnessed these things. They were seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in great honour. That was the outcome. So if you're a follower of Jesus, then you've received power. We know that, Acts 1.8. Uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the name of Jesus... In many cases, uh, sadly, it's a latent power in our lives. So we're like the, the, the cord with the light. Nothing's plugged into it. You've received power, but you just, it's just sitting there. But it has enormous potential. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater. In I mean, infinitely greater is the one who is in you than the one who is in the world. It's a wonderful truth. And so what that means is you need not fear anything, actually. You need not fear anything. So great is that power that is in you, so much greater than any of those other powers of darkness that sometimes 
We, we perhaps fear. We need not fear. Certainly we need not fear the powers of darkness who flee at the mention of the name of Jesus. Here's a quote from a biblical commentator I quite like, Simon Kistemacher. Dutch guy. He explains the, um, the name. What does this mean? When you talk about the name, the name of Jesus, the term name, he says, signifies the person, words and works of Jesus so that anyone who uses this name identifies completely with its bearer and becomes a true representative. In other words, as followers of Jesus, we are, we are not just nominal believers. Let me just say, that's really a dangerous place to be, to be a nominal believer, with half a foot in the camp and half a foot out of the camp. You know, I, kind of, I kind of believe, yeah, but I'm just sort of hedging my bets. It's a dangerous place to be. We're not just nominal believers. We're not those who are loosely associated with the church and the Christian faith. We are Christ's ambassadors. What that means is that we represent Jesus wherever we go and we carry his power with us wherever we go. We are plugged in and switched on and ready, actually, ready to un unleash ready to be used as that, that conduit. So when I come to you and when I engage with you in conversation or any kind of interaction, I represent Jesus. And so what that means is it's, it's as though Jesus himself were interacting with you as I am interacting with you. Not because I'm special, because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a follower of Jesus. And so as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, uh, I am his ambassador, his representative. We are his ambassadors. We represent Jesus and we represent and carry his power. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. So whatever situation you go into, you change the spiritual atmosphere. Yes. If you were to walk into that psychic fair over in Cannington, again, I'm not, you know. <laughs> but if you were to do that, with the power of Jesus within you, you change the spiritual atmosphere. In that place, that's the power that you have as one who is in Christ. And with great power comes great responsibility. And the power encounter in Acts 19 is a wake-up call, actually, for the believers at the time. Many of them, even as believers, had been into all sorts of stuff that they shouldn't have been in. And so there was a time of personal repentance, particularly for those who'd been practising sorcery and maybe in some cases continue to practice sorcery even after they believed and received the Holy Spirit. That's not a good idea. And so they burnt their scrolls and the word of the Lord spread and grew in power. It grew in power as a result of genuine repentance. It, I think we can personalise that. You will grow in power as a result of genuine personal repentance. And so as we close this morning, I'm going to invite you to participate in a time of personal repentance. Just ask the team to come. Thanks. Because maybe, uh, maybe some of us have been dabbling in some things that we know are not right. You might think, oh... It's just a bit of harmless astrology. 
There's no such thing, actually. There's no such thing as a bit of harmless astrology. Oh, it's just a bit of harmless pornography, just in my own private world, doesn't affect anyone else. There's no such thing as a bit of harmless pornography. It will affect the spiritual atmosphere of your home. It'll open the doors to powers of darkness. You know, I was speaking recently, can you guys just start playing just instrumentally that, um, that song we're going to finish with? It's all about the name of Jesus. Love it. We're going to sing this in a minute. But I was speaking recently with a guy who's really under attack. He's dealing with um, suicidal thoughts, actually, that are very real. He's a believer, this guy. And I, I asked him recently, I said, you know, when you have those thoughts, what do you do? He said, ah, oh, you know, I just, I just try and shake them off. I said, come on, just shake them off. I said, actually, mate, that's not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it for you just to try and shake them off. I said, you need to speak the name of Jesus. He looked a bit shocked. You need to speak the name of Jesus because there's power in the name of Jesus. And as you speak the name of Jesus, that, that latent power that is there as in your heart and your life as a believer is somehow released. I don't know if you ever do this. I do this at home. Uh, normally I'm, I'm home by myself. I walk around the house speaking the name of Jesus. People think I'm a weirdo. If, <laughs> I'm not a weirdo. I walk into different rooms of the house. I speak the name of Jesus. I call to mind my marriage, my wife. <laughs> my children. I speak the name of Jesus. we stand, let's stand I'm going to sing this song it's, I just want to speak the name of Jesus and I was quite impacted by it when I first sung it particularly some of those lines about speaking Jesus over my family and over my street I've, I've begun to do that more and more since I learnt this song what I want to invite you to do this morning just as we stand and before we sing is just to call to mind is there an area in your life where you sense there is an attempted infiltration of the powers of darkness maybe it's some temptation that you face or some struggle that you have or some, some health, something that makes you anxious something that troubles you I just invite you to call that to mind and just speak the name of Jesus over that area as you call it to mind. Maybe there's a repentance that needs to take place for you as you turn away from a particular practice or habit. 
And as you even think about that practice or that habit, you speak the name of Jesus. You don't need to shout it out. Jesus can hear you. Actually, the powers of darkness can hear you loud and clear. Speak the name of Jesus. Just begin to do that, even just under your breath or aloud if you like. Jesus, Jesus for my family. I speak Jesus over my children. I speak Jesus over my struggles with addiction. I speak Jesus over the outbursts of anger that happened in my home. I speak Jesus over the anxieties I have, over health, over challenges that I face this week. I speak Jesus over my workplace. I speak Jesus over my classroom at school. I speak Jesus over my friends who don't yet know you, my neighbours, the people on my street. I speak the name of Jesus. Jesus. speak the words there's a great power in singing the words as well let's sing together we hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.